0: Advance, welcome to the Private Suite magazine interview series. Today I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Alex, and he goes by Fiber. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Yo yo, what up? What
0: is up? Not much on my end. I'm chilling. I've got a, a bowl of yogurt with raspberries and a couple clementines to keep me company. I'm very excited.
2: You're uh, a little
1: fancy, dude.
0: Oh yeah. We're all hooked up over here. Over here. That's, I uh, was so Canadian the way I said that. I'm oh like, yeah, bud. Fucking right. <laughs> uh, so, how have you been, man? It's been a while since we've actually spoken. And last time it was in person, actually, which was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. When was the last time it was Electronic on, Or was oh, we, it? You no, know, we car? did. T-
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know. I forgot. I was thinking Essential back in March last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I only saw you for like a brief second, though. I don't know. I saw so many people while I was there. <laughs>
0: I think we moshed out in, Pad Channington's little room. Yes, for a minute. Yes,
1: yeah. That was that set was <laughs> absolutely insane. That was fun, yeah. Yeah, I think in the in the middle of it, Pad like like grabbed me, and like attempted to pick me up, but he was like so like all over the place that he just kind of attended to and then just sprinted back to the DJ deck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. It was insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Pad Channington live sets, I bl- hear that you and him are playing one, playing a show together shortly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, we are. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So uh, it, it was interesting. So, you know, I have been trying to play side by side with Pad for a bit now. Uh, when I heard that he was going to play the after party at Electronicon, I, you know, it was it was pretty early on, and I was thinking like, oh, maybe you know, like, you know, I have like a bunch of friends that are performing that. Maybe I could contact, you know, 100% Electronica and and see if I could jump on that as well, and you know, and get back to me because they're very busy, um, but but pad was definitely still interested in the idea of like doing performances. Uh, we tried booking an event at elsewhere that ended up not going through, but, uh, it was super, super close to happening. Um, but it's just been on hold for God knows how long now. Uh, but then we had the idea for this show, uh, which the mercury lounge picked up and, um, because it's just me pad and, uh, and power Uh, we really wanted to do something like historic for it, especially with the fact that, you know, it's only like a three artists thing. So we've been, you know, like we've been preparing like this like exclusive vinyl that we're going to sell. And there's like two exclusive collabs on it. I actually think that Pad will be announcing it in like an hour and a half from now live on his channel. But by the time- <laughs> it will it will already be out so yeah so yeah um i'm really excited about that and we've definitely been pushing it like pretty hard so hopefully you know like come january 4th things will things will uh will uh really be you know hype enough to pull in a bunch of people
0: defo man very exciting going to try and make my way down we'll see i've been spending a lot of money traveling to the us lately
1: <laughs> oh yeah I'm it's it's funny. I've uh I have so many friends like especially in Europe and uh last time I went to go see them, uh, you know, just to perform and whatnot, it like the whole trip probably cost me like 2000 round of like two thousand, two thousand five hundred dollars. You know, it's it's pretty insane. Even even coming in Toronto, I don't know what it is about US flight prices, but they're always significantly more expensive when it's an international flight. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the UK has like, I don't know, like $15 Ryanair flights, which, you know, I'm jealous, but.
0: That's crazy, man. It's absurdity and we demand a change. That's
1: true. If, <laughs> if, if I want to stay in an, in an airplane with like three inches of legroom, I don't care. As long as it just gets me to my destination. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. For $15.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like who's, you can't complain at that price. Yeah.
0: Well, at least your money is going to be worth
1: a lot when you come up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that the next uh, few shows that I'm doing, they're mostly going to be in the U.S., with the exception of Essential. And I believe Mm -hmm. that's happening late April.
0: Yeah, April 23rd? I think
1: it's the 23rd to the 26th.
0: Yeah, 25th. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Everybody, get your tickets now. Uh, so let's go back to the show a little bit. Uh, in is it Brooklyn?
1: So it's actually it's not Brooklyn. It's it's in Manhattan. Um, so it's going to be downtown Manhattan. Um, it's happening at the Mercury Lounge. Yes, I believe that the I, I don't quote me on this, but I think that the capacity for it is probably like two hundred fifty people. So it's like it's like I would say like a. Small to medium ish sort of venue. You know, we're starting off small with this, but um, if Aesthetic Nights ends up, you know, being like a pretty big deal, like in the future, you know, Had's definitely going to try to take that on the road. And who yeah. knows what will happen
0: then. Very exciting stuff, my friend. Thank you. Okay. So let's talk about you a little bit. You've been very busy lately. I heard you got engaged recently. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we're both super duper happy. (laughs) Wicked man! I wish
0: I was engaged. (laughs) Hit me up, ladies. Well, you don't, uh, you don't, you don't
1: have anybody in your life at the moment. No
0: worries. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we're chilling right now.
1: Not, not to get into like super, super, I guess personal uh, things, but I actually before I, you know, I met my fiance, I didn't, I didn't date anyone for I think like three and a half or four years. I just decided you know what like I'm just I'm gonna find somebody that like actually cares about me and you know I'm not super interested in dating right now and and you know what it just ended up happening so I'm I'm glad that I uh, made that choice
0: nice how did it happen oh man that's the trick right there that's why I can't oh, figure <laughs> out because I'm, I'm dating and I, I hate it as well so
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> man okay so we got time <laughs> Yeah. Mm. So she was, Sarah is the name of my fiance and she was a part of uh, my friend group, actually. So I'm friends with like a lot of people, you know, at my university and a lot of them are also just like um, music people as well. You know, they come from all different sorts of backgrounds. Some of them make electronic music. Some of them are, you know, like rock pop sort of indie artists, you know, people that are, you know, pretty decently established in like the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. scene. And uh, she was always friends with them. And I, I went to the school for like two years straight. And, you know, she was friends with them. I was friends with them. And. We just never crossed paths. Like ever. <laughs> so and it, it just it just so happened that like whenever she was like hanging out with them, I wasn't hanging out with them. And we just didn't even know that we existed mm-hmm. until one day we actually uh I, I believe I don't I don't remember exactly what it was, but somehow like we, we got in contact w- with one another while I was like um going on a show. Uh, to to Boston with uh my friend Aeridus. Cool. And, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, and uh, and I texted her basically saying, you know, like just so you know, I'm performing, so I might not be super active until I get back. And that entire week, I did nothing but text her. <laughs> and and like I was just glued okay. to my phone, with the exception of like practicing occasionally, like like
2: yeah, Henry.
1: Aeridus's name is Henry. Like Eridus couldn't even like get me to pay attention to him, like at all, because I was just so invested in talking to her.
0: Yeah, well, that's
1: that uh, could be part of what worked.
0: Then maybe you yeah, invested so much yeah, time just, when you were so busy doing something else.
1: Yeah, we just matched energy so well. You know, like. Mm. Like That's I'm, dope, dude. Yeah, I I'm, I'm super talkative. She's super talkative as well. We have the same interests. We're both like artistic and mm-hmm. you know, it it worked well. So I'm I'm glad.
0: It's also nice when you have f- sort of f- like through the friend circle, you know the people that vouch so exactly. you can trust it. So right. <laughs> That's what's hard. Toronto is such a big city. It's like no one knows each other. There's no like network. It's just like random encounter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it was just like, if I was just meeting her as a random person, I don't think that, you know,
0: it could have been part of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm it's, she's, she's genuinely a blessing in my life to be completely honest with you. So I'm, awesome. I'm just glad that I'm in the, you know, I'm with her right now and she helps me become a better person every single day. You can't really say that much about any, any other person, you know, can't say that all the time.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I'm stoked for you. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, no problem. So you're you're an artist. Your name is Fiber. You've been making music for quite some time. And you also run a label, actually, if people didn't know that, called Montem. So I just want to ask you about those things. Maybe we can start with the label, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, So what do you got going on
1: with it? So, yeah, I mean, so the last, I guess, I would say like five or six months, we've been working on pretty consistent releases. We finished our single sessions um, uh, series, which is usually where we do 10 singles and then we compile them into like a volume compilation. So we did that for a single session, volume one. uh, If people remember uh, UniBeats Almanac, and I believe it ended with... I don't actually, I don't remember what track it ended with. I believe it ended with the party ball track, but that was all bundled up together track one through 10 and then single sessions volume one came out technically. Okay. So now we're doing the same thing with single sessions volume two, uh, since we finished, uh, off the second round with cruise rewind. And, uh, Mm. honestly, yeah, I think we're, we're considering doing like a third run, uh, pretty soon, um, The one thing that uh, we decided not to do is we didn't want to do Montem volume three this year because we wanted to focus on specific releases from individual artists. So that only means, you know, like albums that have, you know, never come out, you know, Montem only exclusives, but also working on Um, Nice. and, And it's such a hyper saturated market. And we all know that every single person left and right is now like a part of like the vinyl niche in future Funk and Vaporwave Mm -hmm. and any dude with like, you know, more than like, I don't know, like a $2,000 budget can start like a vinyl record label nowadays, which is awesome. But then that also brings a lot of competition for people that want to start, you know, doing something new, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like I guess a good idea to just start off by saying I'm going to do a vinyl record label and then press just anything. So if we we decided that if we were going to do vinyl on Montem, we want to do something that is that is big. We want to do something that people haven't done before, something that will captivate, you know, listeners and fans that you know actually pay for it, and something that that I guess falls out of like the usual status quo for for a lot of these vinyl records. So when we were thinking about albums that, you know, we could put out, there there weren't, you know, there weren't that many of them left that hadn't been pressed on vinyl until we, you know, realized, hey, actually Super Sex Four Twenty and Tendency Split EP actually never came out on vinyl. So that's actually something that we've been working on for a while now. It's you know, we thought that they had lost all the project files to it. We've been working pretty much since August trying to like, you know, d- uh, digitally like restore uh, a bunch of these tracks, you know, mixing them, mastering them properly. And, you know, essentially like restoring them in the same way you would like restore like an old painting. You know, like we had just fragments of Split P because, you know, they kind of produced it with no care. Uh, you know, exactly five years ago. So, yeah, it's old, 2014, right? Yeah, 2014. Uh, And yeah, the fifth anniversary is coming up, so we've, we're trying to coordinate it with that. But yeah, nice. uh, that's something you should watch out for, SuperSex420 and Tendency Split EP on vinyl. You know, we've been working really hard on it. So. Crazy, man. Can we just
0: talk about that for a second, like how the songs went missing, for example, how you're how trying to improve the product a little bit to master it for vinyl because you have a bit of mastering experience which we can get into a little bit later
1: yeah so so there were there were two problems with putting that um that album on vinyl and you know i'm not going to delve too deep into the mixing and mastering process but it was a similar one of the issues were similar to when we put Excise remember on vinyl on chorus i was the mixing engineer for that and it was just that split ep is just such a just this Distorted you know multi band compressed mess of an album, you know it's really, really distorted, really muddy, really sibilant hives, and that that sort of like that sort of mixing and mastering was just not gonna work on the vinyl, and it wasn't gonna sound good. the record would skip it would be practically unuseful. um so, the only way that we could go about you know pressing it on vinyl is if we found you know the original project files and you know mix and mastered them you know from from the ground up so that they were similar enough.
0: That sounds hard.
1: Oh, it, it took it took literally four months to source everything and and you know finalize everything. So you work with the artist to do that or,
0: or
2: what? Yes yeah
1: yes so we so we got in contact with them. And you know, we explained to them that we would have to mix and master, you know, the album, uh, to so that you know it would just sound good on any medium we would put it on. Hmm. Uh, so, sorry to keep
0: interrupting you. When you you keep saying we who so who else we got? We are talking about?
1: Okay, yeah. So I I didn't mention this before, but but Montem like actually has like a team of people that work on it. Um. So I'm obviously the owner, so I coordinate pretty much everything that goes on. Um Discoaholic is actually uh basically my second hand man. And he's the person who does video editing for Montem. He does a lot of coordination with the artists, a lot of A&R stuff as well. We have Nukamachi, who is our graphic designer. He's our in-house graphic designer that pretty much does all of the artwork uh for the for the label. And then we have, you know, like uh a guy named C Beyond who's like our webmaster. Um so we have like a big group of, you know, like people, uh, several others as well that just do random ANR and email checking and whatnot for us. But we're all like a big group working on on Montem.
0: Can we just give a take a moment to give the uh, like Twitter handles for all these people? Cause they're they're rock stars, man. Like
1: Discoholic, uh, his Twitter handle is uh twitter.com slash discoholic That's D-I-S-C-O. H O L I C music, all in one word. Um, I believe that Nukumachi's is just twitter.com slash Nukumachi. That's N U K U M A C H I. And I don't think, I don't know what C Beyond's is. Yeah, his uh, Twitter handle is a little weird. Okay. Well, just, just link it
0: to me and I'll put it in the description, maybe.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Before I rudely interrupted you,
1: yeah. So, um, so the thing, so the thing with split EP, and I'll and I'll make it fairly concise, is that we had to, you know, go through this audio engineering process, and we very quickly found out, like within the first day, that this was going to be a lot harder than it than we envisioned it to be, um, because when we asked them to, you know, find the project files for a lot of these tracks. Um, It took upwards of like a month just to find the project files. And then once we found the project files, we found out that most of the samples like routed to the project files were completely gone. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's unorganization right there.
1: So we had to like go back and forth and be like, hey, what's B2 underscore ARIA underscore snare dot wave? And you look that up on your computer, and then have to send me the file over, just because it needed to be one to one. And then once we found the samples, most of the time it was just an unfinished version of that song, so I had to recreate like the rem- the remainder of the song so that it would be like one to one with the originals. So once that was taken care of, then we got to mixing and mastering the whole thing, and you know, doing the digital masters, doing the vinyl masters. Um, So yeah, it was, it was genuinely an ordeal. Um, a lot of the tracks we, you know, just used MP3 rips as well. We swapped those out for lossless, you know, sample rips and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was a very invested process. It was just, this is just like a fruit of labor just because we really, really like this album.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, this is an OG record for people who don't realize or, or don't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This album was huge. And, um, the thing is is that um, you know, I've been friends with these guys ever since I was probably like 16. Mm-hmm. and the original release, you know on AM discs they did um, they you know distributed the digital release for for money and obviously you know the the cassette tape cost money as well. They promised that they would get paid for it and they didn't see a single cent for it. Um, mm. So I came in because I wanted to help them out, you know. It's an album that personally for me is just you know, it's inspiring to me. As as like a kid, you know, I realized, you know, any person can make really, really awesome tunes. And especially the sound that Splitty P was going for at the time, the fact that it was so haphazard made it really cool. Like I feel like that was its charm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's the story.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you. It's a fantastic story and I'm very excited for this record. I'll keep my eyes peeled uh, what's the what's the montem uh, like website or whatever how, how do we buy it from you?
1: so uh, so at the moment um, we are going to put it up on our bandcamp so that's montem.bandcamp.com. The announcement for the actual record um, will be going up I would say eight days from now. Uh, we're putting up a teaser tomorrow. That's November twenty-second and it will hopefully be available for pre-order on December sixth.
0: Hell yeah. Uh how's uh where you
1: live? I, don't, I forget where that is. Is it Miss Boston? Is it? Are you trying to dox me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> I would uh I live in Baltimore actually. Baltimore. And it was B Yeah, so I live pretty close to Baltimore. I go to school nearby here. Um you know, a lot of the stuff that I do is, like, within, like, the Baltimore, like, D.C. area. DiscoHolic's main member is uh, located more towards, like, the D.C. area. So I travel a lot there so that, you know, we can work on Montem.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and just, you know, to hang out and whatnot because we're really close friends. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, I, guess, I guess that's the answer to that question.
0: <laughs> Baltimore is treating you well.
1: Yeah, Baltimore is is pretty cool. Um, music scene's not super crazy here, but you know it has a lot of other things going for it. You know, uh, even though the music scene's not like super great for like the stuff that I do, there's still really great music. You know, really great live performances all the time.
0: hmm Dope. Is how close is that to Manhattan? Are you going to be able to drive that?
1: Yeah. So usually uh, drive to Manhattan is probably. From here, it's probably about like three and a half hours. Oh, that's close. Hours, four hours if I want to avoid tolls and go down like a you know scenic Pennsylvania route. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Cool. I did not realize that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty quick. You know, I think it's uh, I think the road's I ninety five. You just take I ninety five, just straight up north, and you're there super quick.
0: I've heard of that one, I ninety five.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like a super <laughs> long highway i'm pretty sure that it goes down from like maine to florida it's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles
0: wow yeah crazy well cool man so let's
1: talk about
0: fiber what is fiber like why did you make this project and everything
1: so um so i guess we'll we'll start with the naming right uh so Fiber was actually just the byproduct of 13 year old me's like memory loss.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. remembering now.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think I think we talked about it previously, but for yeah. you know people that didn't listen to the last podcast that I did, um, I've just you know as a 13 year old, I had personally not much creativity, uh, so I went to a band name generator and decided you know hit randomize a few times and I got uh, Flight of the Avian, you know uh but i was too lazy to write it down so i went to bed that night woke up thinking it was fiber of the avian uh it took a week to realize that name was really stupid and uh and then i but i really liked you know the fiber part um it kind of like you know my mentality as a kid was that it was like kind of like more associated with like technology and whatnot um and the whole goal of the project was to, you know, like show that, you know, you can make really good music on like, you know, not necessarily like having like huge, you know, synth racks everywhere and like hundreds and of thousands of dollars of gear and whatnot. And I feel like that's still the case today, even though, you know, my gear has been vastly expanded. Um uh, and it's more fun. Yeah. To yeah, touch stuff. You know, it's tactile, you know, it's more hands on, but But, you know, for a while, I just really didn't like the name. You know, I just thought, you know, it it just kind of sucks. You know, Uh, in terms of, you know, my SEO reach, like if somebody types in (laughs) "viber," you're going to get like 13 billion results on Google. You You know,
0: know, wasn't that easy to do research on you? Let me tell you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. It's I mean, (laughs) even today, it's not super easy. I'm very, very lucky to have essentially had this hobby turn into something like way bigger than a hobby. You know, like mm-hmm. never did I think that if you looked up fiber on SoundCloud, I would be the first result. Yeah. You know? There was thousands of fibers when, when I made my account. And that was back in like 2010. So <laughs> it's crazy to think about, you know,
0: definitely dude. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you were thinking about when you were like sleeping that night instead of flight
1: probably i don't know (laughs) i i honestly don't know i don't know why the word fiber came in my head i have like a pretty bad tendency of forgetting things if i don't write them down Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why like you know i always have like a like a little to-do list no matter what i do like every single day and i have reminders and whatnot because i'll just forget it so it's probably just me being me you know
0: well good thing you didn't write it down
1: Yeah. Honestly, (laughs) God bless that. That's, that's the one thing, you know, I, I don't regret, you know, not try.
0: You should try not writing stuff down more often.
1: Yeah. Oh (laughs) man. I think with college, I think with college, that would be like, that'd be like academic suicide right there.
0: Yeah, for sure. You're telling me about your classes. I don't know if you want to get into that a little bit. It sounded quite like a, quite the buttload of work.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of work. Uh, you know, I, I, sw- I switched my majors, so I'm going to be in school for like a bit more, like maybe like a year and a half to two years. And, um, you know, it's at least now I'm doing something that I'm like really passionate about, you know, the job opportunities are good, but you know, it is, it is a crap ton of work. Uh, it's, you know, the, the school part is mainly the reason why, um, you know, I decided to, you know, take a hiatus from fiber, which is technically still in effect. Like right now.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for dropping by.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I plan, I plan to start making music again soon. Like, but I realized at one point during the semester, like, look, I can't be Superman, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Telling myself otherwise is just, you know, like I need to balance things out. And right now, school is the most important thing. And I think that happens to a lot of people. You know, there's no shame in admitting that. And um, the quicker that I was able to admit that and come to terms with it, the better I did in school and the more time I had for other things. Nice. So it, it was, so it was a, like a really valuable lesson that I, that I learned this semester essentially. And I think it's an, it's a, it's a lesson that will carry me on in life just in general. You know, you can't do as, as busy as I am, you can't do everything. So.
0: You know, I know of like three other artists that are taking a hiatus right now. Maybe it's like a winter thing that people are starting to do, starting to realize, you know what, it's good for my health.
1: Yeah. I mean, is a good time for it. Yeah. Like even, even right now with school and everything and, you know, I'm taking on, you know, mixing and mastering work again. And the fact that, you know, we're working on this vinyl with Montem, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm super piled up with work and it's difficult sometimes to realize that, you know, it's important to have that balance. It's important to just like, take like a second to yourself, you know, and that's something that I tend to forget quite a lot, you know? I think everybody does in just like this, like crazy work culture that we have, you know, like mm-hmm. it's based off of like, you know, your, yourself, your self-fulfillment is based on like the amount of work that you can basically put on yourself until, you know, you just burn out.
0: so you max out. That's why there's all these like life coaches and self-help courses, like making so much money. You know, life coaches make like 200 grand a year if they're really good.
1: I need to become a life coach. Though. It's great. Cr-
0: it's, it's insane um, because we're so we're so busy. Like we're not taking time for mindfulness and exercise and meditation. Like even just things like flexibility and you know all all the things we learned in gym class.
1: Yeah, not to be like oh we live in a society or something like that. But the thing is, is you know that I I notice as I get older is that. You know, it's so, it's, I, and I already mentioned it really, it's just, it's so easy to, to overlook like your own health. You know, it's so easy to just like have this like constant stimulation, like every single day, like, Oh, I got to wake up at seven. Oh, I got to do schoolwork. Then I got to go to work and I got to do this. Then I got to do that. And then by the time it's like, I don't know, like ten thirty PM, you know, you're completely burnt out and now you can't even sleep because you're stressed, you know? and yeah. And it's just, it's something that, that I've, that I realized, you know, it doesn't really come naturally. It's something that you really have to work towards. Like, definitely, dude. you gotta, you gotta work towards, if you want to exercise and go to the gym, it's something that you gotta put effort into. If you want to, you know, be out more and, you know, take more breaks in nature or whatever the hell, you know, your thing is, then you gotta actually make yourself go to the park. And it's like with everything. It's like a routine you 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 should block off time to yourself to to just relax you know because future you will you know you'll, you'll thank yourself in the future
0: man i don't even take time off to to take lunch every day for work i just eat while i work and sometimes i don't even eat like i do fast like a lot so sometimes it's intentional that i don't eat but Yo, I just watched, you got Netflix probably, there's a great Bill Gates documentary on there right now. Uh, check it out. Because it taught me a lot of little things that he does to like maximize his potential without like oversaturating his mind and his body, right? It's pretty cool stuff. It's called Inside the Mind of Bill Gates.
1: Did he talk about like the 30% rule or something like that? I saw something about that on Twitter.
0: recently. Uh, I don't, I don't recall. It's I, I've been falling asleep to it every night for like a week. That's what oh, I do. It's wow. my thing. I just fall asleep to something and like absorb it slowly. And so I may have missed that part. It's a three-part series. They're all like 40-minute episodes or something. Dude,
1: it's funny. Something I Two things that I fall asleep to, and they're both related with food. One, Steve1989MRE the guy that opens military rations and like reviews them. Nice. <laughs> he like eats like 120 like, like, year old biscuits. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> like so him it's just so the entertaining. chocolate and stuff. But that guy just knocks me out. Same with DiscoHolic. Same with DiscoHolic. Like he recommended that to me one day. It just knocks you out. His voice is so soothing. Yeah. And then the other thing is. Um, what's, his, what's his
0: name again? Let me look it up.
1: I think it's like Steve. If you look up Steve 1989, M R E. Yeah, it's the first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's cool. his, his channel's huge. And he's so, he's like just like a, such a wholesome guy. I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But, and the other thing that I, that I've been watching like a lot of recently is like, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Boutique Kitchen or something like that. There's this, pastry chef named uh, Claire and she like makes um gourmet versions of like fast food items or just like fat you know like just junk food snacks and stuff. So like she like she made takis once, once she made uh ruffles chips, uh another time she made Pringles and, you know, all this like crazy stuff. And she like it's like a three day process, you know, when she's like making out half the time but it's just it's so entertaining to watch
0: yeah i've seen her do i think she
1: tried to do skittles once or something yeah yeah i remember that
0: oh man that's that's a cool uh cool series for sure
1: yeah she uh, she's uh super personable i would say yeah yeah it's like an an infectious personality
0: If anybody has any cool things they can recommend us to fall asleep to, give us a shout.
1: Hit my DMs. I need it.
0: Hit the DMs or leave us a voicemail. We need some. We need some voicemails.
1: <laughs> just just call my number. Honestly,
0: well, we ha- we have a voicemail number people can call into and like just sh- ask questions or oh, really? give us hate or whatever. Yeah, that's,
1: that's sick. Tell your friends. I did actually, I did something similar to that. Actually, when I promoted my uh, my. Uh, my second ep i i dropped this like really mysterious uh landline number and when you call it it goes directly to voicemail and plays like a clip of uh first to say sweet (laughs) yeah and not that many people actually called i think like a total of like maybe like 120 people called which was like way less than i thought it would be and most people were like very confused of what it was it's like it's music like what what do you think it it is you know
0: But like, so you hear the clip, and then it hangs up, and you're like, "What? Like,
1: was there a way to get a link to buy it somewhere?" Or like, no, no, it was so so that was dropped. That was dropped before the release. So one day, I, I just, I just posted a video of a of like a phone number flashing on the screen, and then yeah, okay, and then and then people called it and got to hear a clip of it. But like, some of the voicemails that some people were like leaving were just like um okay (laughs) love your music fiber i guess (laughs) bye
0: oh that's the greatest thing my eyes are watering i don't know if anybody else found that as funny as me
1: (laughs) i mean it's just i saw um i saw wave racer do like a very similar concept and people were just so excited about it you know there were they and they knew that it would it was like a preview of like a of like a new song it was pretty obvious but then when I did it people were just very confused. Yeah what
0: is this guy doing?
1: <laughs> yeah like what the hell is this guy did this guy like buy like a cell phone to just make it automatically go to voicemail and weird music and stuff? I don't know. Oh
0: that's awesome.
1: Do you still have that music? Like like the the landline? Yeah, like the
0: song you put on that on, like you put it, that same song on the EP. I guess you said. Or? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it's first to say uh, featuring, uh, Bring Silver and Matthew Clinton, and uh, it just played like a thirty second clip of the song on the on the landline, and then just like went to voicemail. Too too funny, man.
0: My eyes are still. I gotta wipe them. But my I got some grease on my hands. That I was eating cheese.
1: Oh really you're just eating what dude you're just eating like straight shredded cheddar out
0: of- <laughs> <Everybody> <laughs> always.
1: <laughs> i eat cheese a lot on this show <laughs> do you have like a cheese plate in front of you it's like i have cheese and
0: spinach yeah baby spinach and uh old cheddar it's a great it's an unbeatable combination just the two of those bop bop it's great honestly
1: honestly that's a power move
0: it's, it's, it's good. I'm fasting right now. I think I was saying that. So I got to like stuff in my meal as I'm going to eat as much as I can. Cause I'm not going to eat again until like tomorrow at, you know, I don't know, 4.00 PM or something.
1: Are you doing uh, intermittent fasting?
0: Yeah. I'm like, I, I was actually, I was supposed to have uh, a thingy with my crew at work, but it fell through. So I just decided to fast the whole day and not continue not eating. So Yeah. It's good for your health. It encourages uh, autophagy. If you've heard of that, I yeah, I don't I have no idea what that means. Oh well, 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 my friend, you're in for a lesson. Okay, edits with Indy. Here we go. <laughs> health,
1: health tips with
0: Indy. Little tangents here. So people, a lot of people, it's like the secret of fasting that nobody talks about. It encourages ketones to be produced.
1: Oh, so like ketone bodies and stuff. Like yeah and like, i did something similar i tried like a keto diet for like a hot second nice
0: yeah yeah it's not necessarily a keto diet like i still eat bread and shit um yeah. like i had tim horton's breakfast sandwich today
3: dude not, I missed not, not for
0: I... breakfast though because breakfast me i believe means break fast so like people that fast don't eat breakfast they break their fast if they eat in the morning, which usually you don't want to do depending on what your fasting schedule is. I don't eat in the morning. I eat later, like way later in the day. I just drink water and power that shit out. And because I've been fasting for so long and I have so many ketones, I don't require sugar and food to give me energy because I use my fat to give me fuel. And so part of that is autophagy. It encourages your cells to say, It makes your brain say, okay, these cells aren't getting any nutrients. Let me kill off the shitty ones. So it's how it's a great way to, it's like the best way to um, promote anti-aging, I guess. Like, so I got wrinkles now. I'm trying to get rid of those. My hairline, like I was super stressed for years at work in my 20s. Like I'm 32, right? Like I've been around the block. Um, So now I'm like all about like longevity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the tangent right there. Now I will eat my tangerine.
1: I I believe it's. I think that like, I I think that like when I did it when I did like research on like a keto diet and stuff like that, um, it talked about how you know if you just don't eat, you'll just produce a bunch of ketone bodies. It's like mm-hmm. the same process essentially.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why the keto diet. They just say like no sugar because it interrupts the production of ketones because the insulin i'm talking like i know what i talk about i really don't i know what i'm talking about (laughs) anyway that's the end of the edits with indie segment uh we've been talking about some cool shit we've not even really 45 minutes of nothing (laughs) i hope people are entertained so far no it's 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 we we good we get you so Let's dive, let's take a deep dive into your history and your childhood, maybe growing up. I want to know. Oh, so we're
1: going like 20 feet under. Okay. We're
0: we going deep, yeah. I want to know where your musical history starts and how it's sort of uh, like your journey, you know, what path you went on to be where you are now. Uh, maybe some different milestones, things like that.
1: Man, I think that. Honestly, I just, I feel like for most of my life, even my really, really young, you know, like early life, I feel like I was always going to become a musician in some way, shape or form. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was two years old, uh, my grandmother used to snap to music around me. And by the time I was like, like maybe like two and maybe like two months, um, I started snapping in my crib. So I was like snapping, snapping my fingers. Oh man. Yeah, like like snapping my fingers. Like both my, you know, snapping my thumbs. And
0: I thought you said snacking. It was like she's dancing, she's eating, she's having no, fun. No, no, I'm not eating my
1: fingers. I was probably eating my fingers as a baby, but like not snacking. Um but snapping. no, like snapping yeah. them. Yeah. 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 And and like I just wouldn't stop doing it. And I learned to snap before I really learned to walk. You
0: mm-hmm. know? Before and, you uh, a lot of things.
1: Yeah. And it was just like my parents were just like so amazed by it. And you know what's really funny is like is like we used to have like a tape machine like in my room back in Romania when I uh when I was like this was from when I was born to maybe like when I was like three and a half when I left for the US. Mm-hmm. And um I would just like I take like the volume knob and I'd duck the volume on like every single like kick and snare of a track. So I was basically like side chaining like when I was, like, three on, like, my parents' (laughs) stereo. Oh, my God. It's insane, yeah. And, like, I asked a few people about this, like, when, like, did you also do this as a kid? And there, like, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, I also did this. So, but, like, honestly, you know, I, the first band that I ever listened to that I was, like, immediately hooked on, I was introduced to when I was like very young, young, like, two years old. And it's a Romanian band. I will, you know, nobody will really know about it, but it's uh, the band name's uh called uh Voltage and it's like Voltage but like with like a j at the end of it and it's like it, it was just like this like like euro pop sort of like rock band they had like a lot of like synth influences a lot of their music nowadays is just straight pop music they like even made like a like a like a house album like a few years ago um And like, I was just, I just loved their music as a kid. I still do. Um, So fast forward to the US, um, you know, I came here when I was like three and a half. And I remember being five and being in the car. Um, This must have been like 2004. No, it must have been like 2003 or something like that. And, you know, by then Discovery by Daft Punk would have already been out for, I think, like maybe like a year or two. Mm-hmm. So One More Time was one of the, you know, like the tracks they used to play a lot on the radio. And since it wasn't like a super old track, they would still occasionally play it on like top forty radio. So mm-hmm. I would hear this song and I was so captivated by it. I I loved it. It was it was so catchy and you know like but the thing was is that I was such a a, a young kid that, you know, I I wasn't really paying attention to, you know, what happened after the song. So I had no idea who made that song until I turned 12 and I was going down a YouTube hole as one does, as one still does today. And oh man, I found Death Punks one more time. And I was like, damn it. This is the song that I've been listening to when I, since I was like five years old. Oh,
0: you must've flipped your shit, man.
1: Dude, I lost it. I completely <laughs> lost it. I, I think that was the same. Like, I think, I, I believe that this no, this was like at the same time. I smashed my like laptop screen, but it was just because like I got up like after hearing the song, and there was like tile on the floor. So I dropped this like old Toshiba laptop after hearing the track, and like just screen shattered. Ugh, man! And I was upset. You know, as a kid, you know, like you can't just replace a a laptop you you spent like fifty dollars mm-hmm. on fifty dollars you know, for, like, a kid is is a lot. Um, but, like, you know, I swapped out the screen, thankfully, and, you know, then I was like, oh, man, you know, so Daft Punk is the name of this band, and, you know, I, I bought this, like, old record player because I saw, like, the vinyl at the end of Interstellar 5555, and, you know, I was just hooked by their music.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I realized that the vinyl was a real thing, so I went to Goodwill, bought, like, a record player for literally $2. It was, like, the crappiest thing, like, I could find. You know, I didn't know better back then and, right. and bought Discovery on Amazon with my first ever paycheck Wow! Know, from when I was working at Panera Bread. And, you know, I bought it and, you know, I I, I distinctly remember the first time I pulled it out and it was so mesmerizing to me. And I was like, you know what, I want to make music and one day I'm, I'm going to do the same thing, you know? It was just, I don't know, it was like a really magical moment. And you know, one artist followed after another, and, you know, I learned about Justice and Sebastian and all the Ed Banger boys, and then, you know, it got more and more niche until eventually I found my way to the Future Funk community, and, mm-hmm. you know, the rest is history. Cool, man. So,
0: speaking of getting into the Future Funk community, I know you're actually, like, a big fan of French Touch. Would you call Daft Punk French Touch and Just Justice and all that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, more disco
0: um, feel, I thought.
1: Yeah, a lot of people like back in like, you know, I would say like the early two thousands and whatnot called French House French Touch interchangeably. So in terms of so in terms of that, you know, yeah, I am a big fan of, you know, French House and whatnot. And that's where my biggest musical motivations come from. So when I first started making music as Fiverr, I started making music as like as, as a french house musician and when i tried to start finding people that were a part of that community it was at a time where like the more niche french house house community was like really just starting to die um so like for like three years straight like i was making music by myself and i had nobody to talk to except for my best friend at the time who Started producing with me and then very quickly gave up um, and, you know, YouTube tutorials. And it was only until I met Rob Clems, who was the owner of Air force the first label that I was on, through a YouTube comment. Um, that was when, you know, like I started hearing about future Funk. And at first I just, I didn't take it seriously. I thought it was just a huge meme. You know, it was just like, mm-hmm. this is stupid, you know, just some... Random, you know, people like taking city pop samples and um, putting shit. Drums over the whole thing. This is a remix. It's not even like transformative, you know, like I'm better than that. So I used to make fun of it and stuff. But okay. then as time went on, you know, I realized, you know, that's that's not that's not the full picture here.
0: Wait, well, what was the YouTube comment? Like which video?
1: Um, so so Rob Clems put this like French house samples video. Up, I think it's either the first one or the second one, and he showed a sample breakdown for a song called uh, "You'll Find Love." Close to the music by Twelve. By at that time, the artist's name was Phipsy. Um, but that song was just like it was coming from a fairly un- unknown artist to me. It sounded amazing, and I couldn't find the track because obviously the artist had switched aliases mm. and. I left a YouTube comment saying, oh my God, what like what song is this? This is amazing, but I can't find it. And then got a YouTube message uh, from Rob Clems. We uh, exchanged uh, Skype usernames and we talked for like just a week straight. And he was like my first ever like music friend online.
0: Oh man, that's amazing.
1: And yeah. Back the, in
0: the good old days of YouTube.
1: Yeah, I mean, him. him and I have been friends since... 2013 it's it's i've known that guy for six years i've met him in person twice already him and his girlfriend are like an amazing bunch of people his family is also just like you know unparalleled to like you know like a bunch of friends that i personally have which is so sweet my parents love him like you know he's 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 a really really great guy i i owe him my music career if if I had never talked to him and he would have never signed me to Air For, I wouldn't have put a an, you know a song out on wow. Report's first comp. I wouldn't have ever found Future Society, and I wouldn't be working on Montem. To be honest with you, so yeah, crazy.
0: Well, shouts out to Rob Clem's, yo.
1: Yep, I think it's <laughs> Twitter.com slash Rob Clem's with a Z at the end. Yeah, shouts out, I love crazy. You, Rob. So what were we talking about before
0: that? Uh, you, I think you were talking, was it going back to the French touch stuff or
2: what?
1: Yeah. I yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I like, I like all French house stuff. That's again, it's my main motivation, you know, long story short, I thought it was like a big joke when I first came into the future of the community, but yeah, you know, right. I, I realized that the community was big and, you know, I could still incorporate like a ton of that, like French house influence. Um, You know, back then I remember being like really frustrated with like learning drum production and stuff like that. And it was only until like I met tendencies that like I really started to, you know, understand like what I was doing. So yeah. How so? Yeah, like so when I was so when I was starting to make music and whatnot, like I was either using, you know, vengeance samples and stuff, or I was just starting to learn how to compress like drum machine samples and like layer and whatnot. Okay. And I remember being like so like just pissed off like because i didn't understand how transients work i didn't understand how eqs work properly and just everything that i made just sound like total ass like if i was making the drums on it and yeah. so i was like it was actually through the Stratford Court compilation when i first put out a song it was like the first year anniversary comp and that was the first mention that i that i had heard of tendencies and I was listening to his music and it's just like, man, it's like future funk, but it's like with compressed like DMX and 707 drum machine samples. This is exactly what I've been trying to do for the last like God knows how long. So I got in contact with him and I was like, dude, how do you do this? How do you do it? Like, it's awesome. And he was really secretive about it at first. And, you know, like, it's just like, he gave me like some basic info. Like I, I take the drums like with like a Real to real tape and do like a bunch of crazy compression shit in Ableton but nothing really specific you know but then as time went on you know we we became friends as well and you know like through him I like met Roller Girl and Camino 84 like you know I put out My Lady on like Somico which was like you know Tendencies was helping run that record label at the time Uh, and yeah so
0: wild man so you still have uh you're still friends with roller girl and all that i haven't seen them produce too much lately
1: yeah he's uh he's he's done with that project i think he actually only yeah. announced that he's he he quit roller girl
0: oh okay
1: yeah it's just uh the passion for it wasn't really there anymore he's working with a really cool like indie band though like an indie rock band that's coming out of ohio um and, uh, I believe he's the guitarist on it and he, he's, doing, yeah, he's still doing some pretty cool stuff. Nice. I think like what signified, I guess, like the end of roller girl was when he finished production for like, uh, the two Boulevards albums. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, he, I think he just realized, you know what, I, like my passion for this isn't really there anymore.
0: Yeah. It was a different time as well.
1: It really was. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm
0: i love i fucking love roller girl
1: yeah i I love him too he's a great guy i i really don't hear too much from him anymore but he's actually very invested in the whole like audio engineering front as well yeah even even the guys that like you know like super sex 420 and whatnot like they're still making music you know like Mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't gone like a lot of them are either just slowly making music because you know Shit happens, you know, life calls and whatnot. People have jobs and school and whatnot. And we're all doing this in between that. Um, Or they're making music under like new aliases, like Amherst is making music under Hot Tub Girls now. So
0: I want to talk about that a little bit, like Hot Tub Girls, for example. I've not heard of that. Uh, That's not future funk, I imagine. But uh, like, it's something we were just talking about on the latest podcast, like changing your sound. And giving your fans something that they're not really expecting and might like catch some people off guard, and I think that's happening a lot in future funk, and that's part of one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I touched on a little bit earlier, like that when you um, and you did as well when you said you thought it was a joke, sort of.
1: Yeah, I had some pretty pretty bitter resentments towards the genre. When oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I was like a year and a half ago, I was just so fed up with it. Um mm-hmm. but I feel like now like I'm I'm a more mature individual when it comes to that. Right. I just feel like
0: some people might think there's like a problem or feel it's hard when you you might have to label yourself as falling under this vaporwave future funk umbrella in order to be heard by the fan base. Or it's like can people just abandon that and find success? or as much success you know some people find more some people find less but it's uh it's something a lot of people in future funk have been going through the past few years you know so i just want to know your thoughts on it
1: yeah i mean when you break away from like your typical sound you're no matter what scene you're in you're always making a huge risk because as much as we want to like condone this like whole idea of it's it's healthy for the artists you know the artists should be able to do whatever you know they want and they shouldn't really give like t- too much of a crap about you know what the fan base thinks because the artistic expression is what matters at the end of the day it's it's difficult when you have like a group of people that is that are like essentially supporting your work and expect one thing from you and give them something completely different And this happens, I think that this is going to happen like no matter what, you know, and it's something that, you know, we all kind of like accept and just move on from, but I would say in future funk, it's definitely more prevalent in the sense that it's more difficult to break away from that norm. You know, like Mm. people, like you can even, you can even look at some of the comments that people are leaving on Exi's new album, Forget, um you know some people are saying it's like man like this is like just like remember which is great but it's got all these like stupid dubstep wobbles and like just random like dubstep sounds and stuff and i don't really like that and i feel like in terms of like the the artist and the listener base sometimes the future funk com- community can be like really unforgivable when it comes to that sort critical of stuff. really critical yeah yeah and 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 you know, like when I used to be like, oh, you know, like it sucks so much that so many people are doing all these dumb city pop remixes and like, you know, not crediting the original artist, which quite frankly I don't really care about anymore. But in that sort of sense, like it's just as much of a saying this because you know it's important. It's just as much of an artist problem as it is a listener problem. Listeners they they expect a specific type of music when they hear future funk. And people who walk further away from that line, you know, they might, they might get scrutinized for it. So, you know, I think no matter what, as, as I mentioned, it's going to happen, but I think that the people that do decide, you know, I want to do something different, they should be commended for that because it's, it's like not an easy thing to do. You know, it's really difficult to balance out this like this like fan base satisfaction with like your own personal satisfaction as an artist and with rendezvous you know i was fully prepared to to have that album flop and honestly i didn't even care i was just like i've been working on this for three and a half years i almost didn't finish it at all it was a pretty grueling process by the end of it and i'm just glad that it's done So if this gets like only 100 plays in my lifetime, honestly, I don't care. I'm just glad that it's finished. Um, And I guess my final thoughts on it is that there's always going to be high and low points in one's career. A lot of people, you know, might be, you know, you might put out a track and a lot of people might be, you know, really like it. Some people might, you know, uh, listen to your stuff no matter what some people will be like, ah, this sucks. It's not future funk or vaporwave. So go screw off or whatever, because I'm more than you or something like that. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's important to, I guess, not let that get too much to your head, you know, because the people that matter really at the end of the day are the people that are going to support your music no matter what. Yeah. Um, and there are people like that, which is great.
0: Oh, for sure. That's what I keep saying about vaporwave. So good. <laughs> so, yeah, just to continue talking about that a little bit. um Vaporwave, Fav- I feel like, doesn't get as much of a bad rap or people aren't as critical with it. And I think, like, I- I'm going to, what's that? Hot take? Is that what people say? Yeah, hot take.
1: Yeah, you're dishing out the hot takes. Sure.
0: I got a hot take, guys. I think a lot of vapor, a lot of future funk artists might be better off if they want to branch out s- stop calling themselves future funk call it vaporwave but continue to advertise to future funk people there's a lot of there's a lot of albums i've i'm thinking about right now where i'm like dude this is like more vaporwave than future funk why are you even like putting yourself into this like tiny little pocket sort of when you don't really have to because here's, here's my main question why is future funk vaporwave in the first place when did it happen who d- said it was a part of it and why is it because <laughs> i hear a lot of future funk that i don't know why it's future funk that sounds like vaporwave to me
1: yeah i think that it like the the the, the definition of future funk is also just something that is like very vaguely defined
0: a lot of a lot people of people latch on to it like so yeah. much though
1: and a lot of people consider that future funk isn't even really a subgenre of vaporwave and i'll leave that up to other people to decide you know like i'm not going to really put my opinion in terms of that
0: but mm-hmm. well, this is a vaporwave podcast but we got all kinds of future funk in quotes on here so
1: <laughs> yeah so like some people some people like some people will you know do things like um, God, I completely lost my train of thought. Some people will do stuff that, you know, is labeled Future Funk, but, you know, is actually just more like vaporwave and vice versa. But some people, like, believe that Future Funk is its own genre, and it's not really a subcategory of Vaporwave anymore because it's leaned more towards, you know, more lively city pop edits and, like, more, like, French house-influenced stuff for like pretty consistently for like the last like 3 or 4 years especially like I I wouldn't
0: say it is anymore yeah yeah a part of vaporwave yeah
1: yeah like and like I would say, you know like the I feel like the defense for future funk being a subcategory of vaporwave it was a lot more strong like it was a lot stronger when um when future funk was just first coming out you know stuff that is more like within like the vapor funk uh, realm. yeah, like for trying sure. Like, to call it by, Saint Pepsi. You mm-hmm. know, stuff that kind of sounds like, kind of sound like Future Funk. That's sort of the stuff that was coming out at first. Um, I wouldn't say that this, like, I wouldn't say that this falls under Future Funk, and I don't think that this artist ever, like, labeled themselves as Future Funk. But stuff like Contact Lens, like, it, I don't know if, if you remember him, but yeah. uh, he put out some really, like, loud really really cool albums that like were just more lively than your t- your typical vaporwave stuff. Casting is also a fantastic example of that. I know of Casting, yeah. Just to say, yeah, if you want to if you want to be assaulted by white noise, just listen to a Casting <laughs> album. <laughs> Man, it's it's funny. I've, I've like I've had a I've had a cast at, by the way. I love I love Casting's music, you know. A lot of it is really cool. But once I had like my volume up at like I think like 60% and played a casting track on SoundCloud. It just blew my ears out. My ears were ringing. For like,
0: oh my god!
1: Is just like an explosion of white noise before the track actually starts? Ooh. Not not talking shit or anything. It's just I'd like to, I'd,
0: I would have liked to be ready for it. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I've I've uh, I've been startled way too much. Like in like the library <laughs> when a casting track like, auto plays. <laughs>
0: At school or something?
1: Yeah, like I'll be yeah. like in the library or something, like in a common area, and then I'll just like I'll have music playing in the background. And then when a casting track comes on, because you know, like SoundCloud like auto-suggest music for you, it just like <laughs> and then <it> just blows my ears <laughs> out. Yeah. And it's always it's always the same burst of white noise that like plays for a second, like before the track actually starts. Very interesting productions style.
0: Yeah. Check it out. Um can can we is there any way we can hear that first song or your first record you put out with Rob Clems?
1: The 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 track so what what would it be like the the track that I put out on his record label or the collab that I did with him on his album?
0: I uh, what I any both, sure. The old sure. stuff, the <laughs> first stuff.
1: Yeah, is it yeah. still
0: accessible?
1: Yeah yeah so um, I guess might as well just like pull up like the track that started it all the just my own track that I put out on Airflow Records it was called Friends I was trying to be Sebastian yeah and it just has like really distorted synths and I just like learned to start like doing vocal chops and stuff so the vocal chop break in that like comes from like there's there's literally like seven samples just in that vocal chop break and the rest of it is just synths and drums Mm
0: -hmm. do you mind if if we play it
1: sure Yeah.
0: yeah okay go right ahead here it is everybody So I'm just scrolling through your band camp here, looking at your discogs, looking at your records. Can we talk about some of them? Some of the uh, themes you have for the records, you know, definitely your new one rendezvous, the EP, uh, 810, which got a really popular vinyl release on course And all your other stuff, you've had a whole bunch of, um, what do they call them? Comps or you've been on with a bunch of comps. <laughs> Um, collabs. That's the word. The other C word. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I mean, I, I might as well just like jump. I guess straight into it. Um, Let's do it. I would. Say, I would say like probably. Okay. So eight ten. You know, was like the first EP that I put out. That ended up just being like mostly a selection of singles that I had already posted online that were pretty popular. um Some of the title tracks, like you know, they did pretty well and. I don't know. I, I, I essentially just ended up, uh, you know, uh, posting that all together. I really didn't want to drop 810 on future society at the time. And now looking back at it, I'm kind of glad that I went with business casual as opposed to future society for that release. Uh, it gave me just a lot more control of like, you know, what happened to my release. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, I honestly would have never expected it to become as big as it did. I have no idea how many, like, I I know that like business casual, you know, like it it has like the option for you to like get the entire discography for like, you know, for like a dollar or something like that. But you know, like it's, it's in thousands of people's collections. That is, that is a big deal. And like not every album on business casual does well like that. Yeah. So so you know like i was just i was so honored that like you know it matured into what it did and then when i did you know the release with chorus back when we did a deluxe release you know that brought back more interest in you know fiber and like the brand itself and the music that i was going to put out yeah with rendezvous you know if if 810 was kind of like the 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 more like i guess childish approach that i had to music you know where i just made music and did whatever i wanted with it and you know it was like more carefree at the time yeah Uh, mainly just because i was younger like i finished the album when i was 18. um then rendezvous is like sort of an expression of like dealing with life's struggles for the first time and coming out of it like relatively unscathed and I would say that rendezvous like really heavily reflects like a lot of the themes that I was dealing with in my life. Like I was, you know, you know, at one point I was doing real bad in college. Like a lot of, you know, like my personal life was, you know, I just didn't really have it together. And, you know, it just kind of brought me down because, you know, I didn't really know where to approach it. You know, like where do you start when you have like so many things going on and you're, you know, like you're so overwhelmed. And I feel that that's like a pretty common thing that happens to a lot of people when they first start to mature. You know, um, the production on Rendezvous is is literally a, a, a statement to, to to that message itself. It, it took so long to finish those five tracks, like so long. It it I Rendezvous went through. If I if I showed you the amount of demos that I had for Rendezvous that I ended up completely scrapping, like you'd be like amazed. It's like literally like the length of two albums um, and only and only six songs, I believe, or yeah, six songs, I think uh, ended up like fully making it Rendezvous, which is like the last track got produced at the absolute last second. Because I met up with Conscious <laughs> Thoughts and Harris in person. Oh, yeah, like it was literally made two weeks before the album was supposed to drop.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, um, big, big successful artists have been known to do that. there's actually a band you maybe know them, Simple Plan.
1: Uh yes, it kind of rings a bell. But I mean, I've never really like gone into. Yeah, crazy. they might be a bit like
0: older. I don't know. They were a pop punk band that was around when I was growing up in the Blink One Eighty Two, Avril Lavigne, Some Forty One era, and uh, they they're from Montreal, and they actually used to write about two hundred songs per record.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you w- the thing is, is that like when you're just like motivated, right? When you have that motivation to like make a track, it it just it flows so quickly and so easily because you're just like motivating people on and on and on with it and i feel like that's only been the it's been more of the case as i got more experience with production but it you know with stuff like rendezvous it was just like so many things were getting in the way of you know like working on it and you know like it was just like life you know just regular life stuff that everybody had to deal with but i, I didn't know how to balance like my new responsibilities of life with like this like music career that I had essentially already built up. So that was like really, that was really scary at a certain point. Like I really thought that like fiber like was just not going to be a thing that I was going to continue doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's still kind of hard to manage, you know, you know, how to do the hiatus, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, that's what they call a midlife crisis, you know? <laughs> I guess, I guess for me, it's like quarter life. Crisis.
0: Not actually, but you know what I mean? Like we all need that time to sort ourselves out. Yeah. I know I sure did.
1: Just to think about it and be like, you know what? Like, what am I doing? I think like, I think like the first realization that I had of that was I was on vacation with my parents and it was probably my senior year of high school. So I was in grade 12 for all those Canadian people out there. And like, I don't know, like instead of like having fun and like chilling out and stuff that entire vacation I just spent sitting on the porch watching the sunset every single day beautiful weather around me consistently and I was sitting on the porch like just doing nothing but applying for college because like because I waited until the last second to apply and and I remember like one day it was probably like day three or four or something like that of like the sun setting and me just being like I gotta get my shit together and that was like the first like serious realization that I had of that. And I think since that point, I, I haven't been like the same, but, it, but like in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. like Reality I realized check. that I needed to get it together a little more. And I'm, I'm like, I'm way happier now. Nice. Yeah. I was just thinking about a story.
0: Um, like when I applied to college, I applied to three different colleges and I actually got early acceptance or rather unconditional acceptance to one of them. And that's ended up being the one I went to. So I just dropped out. I was like, fuck this shit. I was in my senior plus year of high school, grade 13, because I just kind of stuck around. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I applied that year and I got into this school. So I just dropped out and just wasted my time because I thought that because I've got unconditional acceptance, that meant I was like a big deal. Right. And it was all just going to work itself out for me. I didn't actually put in the time. That's like, I've brought that regret up on this show before. That's like m- one of my biggest ones is like underestimating the actual time you have to take to like plan your shit out and not just like let it flow.
1: Yeah, it's so, it's college is just like a different beast altogether. i like it. Once I started the courses that I needed for like my comp sci degree, because initially I was a bio major and then I, sw- I switched because, you know, it was not really interesting to me and the job opportunities aren't even really that great. And, you know, I realized that, you know, it's, it's just like college can't be this thing that you just let it flow and, and it'll all work itself out. Like you need to have like a plan. You need to be thinking like a semester in advance. You need to be thinking two semesters in advance, you know? What are you going to, what position are you going to be in like a year? You know, what position are you going to be in next semester? And, you know, that's, that's difficult. That's difficult for anybody, you know, Uh, not to get like super deep into it, but we're, we're just, we're wired to, to think only like, you know, towards short term goals, you know, the further away that we get from that goal, the more abstract it becomes. You know, it's just like a basic psychological thing that I'm sure a lot of people know. But, you know, and that's why it's for me, at least, it's really important to like set goals that are daily, set goals that are weekly, set goals that are going to happen in a month, set goals that are going to happen in a year, so on and so forth. Because like, if you just say, you know what, I'm going to work at IBM and get uh, get my degree and work at IBM or something like that. How? How are you going to do that? You know? Mm hmm.
0: So what do you do? Do you like write it down? You just think it, you like remember that shit?
1: Yeah. I just, I guess for me, I just split it up into chunks because you can't just like, you can't just graduate, you know, the goal can't be to graduate. Like you check off like a checklist that you've had for four years and oh, it's done. It's like, you know, you, at least for me, I break it down into the fundamentals of, you know, that like very vague task. Like What's my homework that I got to do this week first? You know, what, what's like, and then, and then as it goes on and on, you know, you know, the more that I move forward, the more it's like, okay, now it's time for me to consider classes for next semester. Let me refer to a plan that I made for myself so that I, you know, I have like a general idea of what classes I'm supposed to take. And, but it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to like, I guess, break it down into those like, you know, immediate, Ideas, immediate concepts, for sure. Yeah,
0: I I used to. I heard someone say it before, but I say it a lot. Small goals—that's what you want to do. Small goals they add up to big goals. You know,
1: exactly. That's like that's like a very concise way of me. You know, I said it in a really roundabout way. That's like I like
0: your way better. If I'm being honest. (laughs) So what what do we got here? Oh yeah, let's go back to your records uh yeah 810 we're talking about that so like how do you come up with a the theme for your records
1: um it's it's associated with just like the stuff that i've been interested in ever since i was a little kid i'm super interested in like you know space and like space themed sort of stuff like a lot of you know a lot of what i did when i was a little kid and you know i was like that nerd that like would look at star maps like online like i had my own favorite star when i was a kid i could like pick out constellations in the sky and whatnot. And, you know, like it was just, I don't know. It was just always a thing that I was just super, super into, you know, aside from music and something that I continue to be like really inspired by, you know, it's just, I don't know what it is that interests me, but it's just like, it's just like vast nothingness like out there, you know, for like a while, but there's so many things out in the universe and it's so big, so big that we can't even really conceptualize how big it is. Oh, it's crazy,
0: man. I haven't watched some vids on that.
1: Yeah. Not to like go into like, the like we're so small concept, but it's just, it just fascinates me. And it all, I think it's just been like that ever since I was a kid. Um, so a lot of like my visuals reflect that. A lot of my visuals just reflect, you know, like what I was thinking at the time or like something that I'm really into, and, you know? Sometimes it doesn't really have like a deeper meaning like with rendezvous where it's like it's like a representation of like me going through like, you know, like life's responsibilities for the first time, like serious life responsibilities. Sometimes it's just I wanted it to be this way because I wanted it to be this way, you know? Yeah, for
0: de- definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's all about the mood.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I just gravitate more more towards like the spacey stuff because it's like it's like easily marketable as well like that sort of look is like something that a lot of people find cool as well. So it like, it just felt natural to me to like gravitate towards that.
0: It's a fiber. When I think of fibers, I think of like really microscopic like thin ass shit. Um, but your aesthetic seems to be like the great beyond like the universe, like this giant, the opposite of fiber. So that'd be interesting to see like an album cover where you like go microscopics and somehow or something.
1: Yeah, like, even with Rendezvous, like, like a lot of people don't know it, but um, Pat Jennington actually did the artwork for my for my album.
0: Oh, yeah? It looks like a sound, like a waveform, sort of? Like, I don't know it, what that it, is.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, an aurora borealis.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's, like, kind of, like, a more, like, abstract take on it. And the calligraphy for, like, the actual Rendezvous thing was just, it was made by Nukumachi. It was just... He wrote it on a piece of paper and literally scanned it and we vectorized it. And that's what it was.
0: That's beautiful stuff, man. Wow. Yeah. I wish I could write like that.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's just, I wish I could too, honestly. I, I don't really do too much like graphic design nowadays. Like I do like basic stuff for Fiber and sometimes for Montem. But since a lot of that stuff is like, I have friends that, that do that or like in the case of nikomachi he's like the in-house mountain graphic designer it although it alleviates a lot of responsibility off of you know my shoulders it also means that i just haven't been practicing graphic design for like like a while now and i would probably if i would probably made something right now it would probably look like total garbage like i would need like a week or two to like
0: that's a that's a great sound bite you know like you get you give your the tasks to people so you can focus on other things and then you kind of lose touch with them a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how that happens. It's really weird. And I didn't I didn't really realize it until I would say like a few weeks ago. Because it's like, you know, wow, like it's great that like it's great that Montem has this. It's great that we have like so many people helping us and it makes things so much easier. You know, like right now I really do feel like we're like we're more of a well oiled machine than we we've ever been. And that's awesome but then at the same time you know things that i'm also just genuinely interested in you know since i'm not doing them myself too much anymore it's like you know it's like i almost like starting to sort of forget how to do it well don't don't stop making music oh absolutely not (laughs)
0: so you've been producing future funk for a long time your friend's song was 2014 uh i wanted just i wanted to ask you this earlier but was Future Funk like the first music you actually tried to market with your Fiber name? Or you didn't have another name before that, did you?
1: No, actually, yes. It was like the first alias I ever made. Like I got really lucky. Um, Fiber was pretty much like the, the brand itself and like the name was pretty much irrelevant for like four years. Like they like I had like 10 followers for a while. Um, wow. And you know, it was only until I started like, meeting other people that they like started helping me out and like the brand started to like really grow but that was like later on um and
0: helping with production or marketing
1: with marketing in general just like pushing like my music and whatnot being on other record labels like definitely helped as well um the thing that i think was was important uh when i was first starting off was that i guess my my i was gravitating towards french house but I was also a lot more open with other genres that I was making. Like I was making like a lot of hip hop at the time. I was making like weird, like acoustic, like indie music with like vocoders and and stuff. Like just really like different. And you know, when I when I looked back at it because I listened to some of the tracks like recently, I was like thinking like, wow, you know, I was really like I was going out of my comfort zone with a lot of these. Um, so, you know, a lot of it was just like almost like genreless stuff. Me just trying to mash up stuff and like make something that was like even a little bit cohesive. Um, and French house was like predominantly the main thing that I was marketing for a while. But then, um, you know, future funk started to be the main thing that I did. Especially, you know, when I you know met um, when I met like tendencies, and you know, I started getting introduced to his friends and whatnot. And that's where I would say Fiber started gravitating from more of like a multi-genre thing to more future funk. So yeah, I guess that's about it in terms of that.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. <clears throat> um, what else we got?
1: And let, maybe let's talk about some of the artists that you've worked with. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, you you can just
0: interview yourself, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need me here. Yes, please. Let's talk about some of the other artists you've worked with and your experience working with them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, After you. So, sorry, I was caught a little off guard. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I keep thinking about like, um, I saw like this video today. It's like Bernie Sanders interviewing himself and they have like a doppelganger that like sounds and looks exactly like him interviewing him and I just keep thinking about it now. Oh let me check that out. <laughs> oh man, it's really good. Okay. But um okay, sweet. Let's let's talk about let's talk about uh the other artists that I've worked with. So yeah, like I mean I've done I've done collabs with a lot of people, you know, I've done collabs with Tendencies, Man with the Tendencies collab actually with Echo Flex. Um Funny enough, two of the tracks that we worked on ended up being just like, just like exclusively like fiber tracks, um, with co-production credits from tendencies. And then we tried working on like five or six other tracks, um, mm. all together. And we couldn't put any of them out because tendencies just kept deleting the project files to all of them. I don't know what his issue was, what? but like, he would just like. work on a song and I'd be like, this is sick. Like, send me the project file. And he'd be like, damn it, I accidentally deleted it again. And it like for three songs in a row. And I was just like, how do you keep doing this?
0: That's never once happened to me.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think that the reason why was because like he would work on tracks like really quickly. Like he had like um I wouldn't say like a template for him, but he like knew like what he was going for like every time. So he would work really quickly have the basis for a track and then instead of clicking save as he would x out thinking that he already saved it uh and that happened like literally three or four times like in the course of like two days
0: um, <laughs> that's
1: amazing yeah i don't even know how but um but like yeah in terms of collabs like i've done a collab with super 420, 20 which was like really cool uh you know we're currently working on a track together uh it's been a little bit on been put a little bit on hold but hopefully that'll come out like before the end of the year. Um what else? What else? Like Barb Walters as well. Um I'm working on a collab with pad Shenington soon. Um that's coming out on his new album. And in terms of like mixing and mastering, um you know, it's something that I didn't think that I would go into, but you know, like I have a friend his name's Edward Court and He's an amazing mixing engineer. He is a very, very prominent ghost producer and has essentially, you know, he, he, he built his business up exclusively by himself in his apartment building in Germany. And he was the person that taught me that like, as long as you find your niche, you're always going to have business no matter what. And this was at a time where like, you know, I'm just trying to pay off school or trying to pay off rent and stuff like that. So it was like really hard for me to like work really long hours and also go to school. So I decided to get into like the mixing and mastering game and future funk is my niche because there's really like there's not many future funk mixing and mastering engineers out there. Not a lot of people know like what they're doing in terms of this and it's like it's a service that I can provide. And like like now, you know, like I've done I've done a bunch of stuff for people. I mean, I've worked with Barb Walters on both of his albums. I've worked with Vantage. I've worked with Herodis. I've done stuff for Android 52. All of the mixing and mastering on Montem is exclusively done by me. For the most part, excluding like a few tracks. I've done
0: Tokyo, Tokyo Wanderer.
1: Tokyo Wanderer. I've done EV's Eevee. album, like EV's Remember. I've done vinyl mixing and mastering for a lot of releases, including EV.EXI's Remember, uh, Pat Jenkins' Contrast, um, like I even did a lot of the production on, um, you know, Hiro Tatamatsu?
0: Definitely. Neo so Kobe Nightly Selecta.
1: Yeah. Do you remember that, uh, that track that, uh, he put out with like two other artists under the CMYK alias, like Umami? Mm, I
0: don't think so. Um, let me check that out.
1: It was a single exclusively put out on, uh, Neon City Records, but it's also on a SoundCloud okay
0: yeah maybe i do i see it here
1: oh sweet i did a lot of the production on that like i did all the mixing and mastering i did a lot of the sequencing on it as well i think we
0: just talked about this song actually on the previous episode
1: and i did the vocoder (laughs) as well all the all the mixing mastering and processing and stuff like that that was all me
0: yeah wow man yeah we definitely did crazy yeah yeah that's so cool man I am very excited to see what you continue to offer to people in the future. I you kind of get your your personal stuff figured out and ready to jump back at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's coming along pretty well. I think next like semester and then like semesters onwards, like I have like a good basis of like what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. Like, and I'm kind of like getting used to like harder classes as well. So I, I don't think it's going to be a, like a super big deal. Mm-hmm. I've always. Been pretty good at coding and you know i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty confident in that
0: so can i come to you with python questions
1: absolutely i'm very good at Python. i would
0: sweet because i'm learning it really i just hate the math man it's so much math
1: wait math and python
0: yeah man lots of math
1: what uh whoa. give me an example of something you're doing right now
0: um like a basic oh i let let me log into my account
1: here
2: audacity <laughs> <laughs> oh uh,
0: <laughs> yeah learn tech skills with audacity do it cool uh you're f- fucking where were we productions yeah i don't know um oh people you worked with
1: yeah yeah so like
0: Eridus uh, 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 also
1: yeah yeah i mean we did uh we did that split album together we ep cheesy
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and that was that was a cool experience that was like the first album like i ever like well, you know put out um
0: Yo, yeah, i want that tape so bad
1: Dude, it sucks. Did you get one? I have one. Yes, I have one, but only one. Um, Yeah. It it blows. At least you got one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think only like 70 or 80 were ever pressed. And like, I've been pushing Aridus for a while now um, about the possibility of like, like a tape repress or like a version of it. But the thing is that he doesn't want to. Yeah,
0: sounds like it.
1: So he doesn't like he said like he said like um, oh my goodness this chair is squeaky um, he basically said like we can do a tape or a vinyl press but we should do it on Future Society and I was just like um, no I I would probably it would probably do better on another record label because you know like they just a lot of other record labels have a way better physicals you know yeah sort of, like <laughs> not necessarily reputation but I'm talking about like. Um they, they have like a better grasp of how to like handle and ship out physicals because it's bitter, you know. Nothing personal against FSC or anything like that. You know, it's just like another record label would, would do the album a lot more justice. We could work with them, you know, every step of the way and it would be a lot better. Um, but he only wanted to do it on FSC and you know, I could I, I couldn't agree to that. So
0: Isn't the last thing they put out Evie's Remember?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no no comment on that to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just it's been a while. I don't know. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. No no comment. Yeah. It's just yeah. uh Evie, Evie just uh ended up uh moving the release to to Core
0: Yeah, we had him on the show actually.
1: Yeah, that, I remember I remember a c- uh, couple of weeks ago. I remember him mentioning that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But that, I mean that's what I mean. It's been so long, it's not appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Vantage at all?
1: Yeah. like, um, So I, I did, I did like a, I did like, I think one track with him um, and it was for volume one. Um, it was Celestial. It was like an almost a completely original track. He came with this like really crazy sample chop that like pulled like a bunch of like isolated vocals from a bunch of random songs just pretty much unidentifiable. And I played like a bunch of chords over it and just like overproduced like the hell out of it. Mm. And, um, and Celestial came to me. Um, he also did, uh, the bonus track for volume two, you know, and I helped, uh, master that out. Um, I mean, I've worked with, we've worked with Prue as well. You know, uh, he's dropped like two releases on Montem and, uh, and you know like the first one was like mixed and mastered like i did like some of the drum processing on his first single and uh the the new single that just dropped on montem like a few weeks ago i did the mastering on that um you know right now i'm actually working on pad shennington album I'm doing the mixing and mastering for that mm-hmm. and it's just insane that, like, I'm mixing and mastering, like, a Saint Pepsi collab and, like, a Phantom's Revenge collab. It's so mind-boggling to me.
0: Nice, I, man.
1: I, I love these guys. And, like, I yeah. worshipped them when I was a kid. And now I'm, like, doing their audio engineering. Like, And the crazy Wild. part of this is that I'm not really like advertising, like I'm not explicitly advertising, you know, like mixing and mastering services out there. It's just like it's all
0: recommendations.
1: Yeah. It's all recommendations. Like it's all people who are, a lot of people are just return customers or return customers tell people who tell other people who tell other people who, other people who you want future funk mastering, go to, go to this guy. He knows what he's doing. And again, it's a blessing. Like it, it helps me pay my rent. It helps me eat, you know. It's 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 good stuff. Money's Man, good stuff.
0: I can't wait to see you at Essential,
1: dude. It's gonna be insane. I don't even know how I'm going to be able to like talk to all the people that are gonna be there. Like, yeah, like it's a good thing things. Three friends days that I've never met before, like, are gonna be there as well.
0: Are you coming up for the whole week?
1: I honestly, I don't know. I don't know because like, it falls essential falls like in a week, pretty much right before my final exams. So who knows? Yeah. That's tricky.
0: Yeah, April, that's exam time.
1: Yeah. The end of classes is around, uh, God, I would say like early May-ish. So I don't know. I know DiscoHolic, for example, DiscoHolic will be performing and, and I know he can't be, you know, he can't be there for more than like, three days, I think. Ooh. Cause he's got he's got his exams as well coming
0: yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that can't make it the whole time. But at least it's three days, so three full days, it's 72 hours.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'll be there with my fiance and I think uh discoholic will be like staying in the same place as us. It's gonna be real Yeah.
0: dope, man. But
1: I can't, I cannot can't wait. wait to see you guys and like you and like all the other Toronto guys. It's gonna be a blast. Like yeah. no matter what. No matter what.
0: hmm It's not too often we get to see each other.
1: Yeah. I it's but it's like it's it's really nice because it's like like and Panic Pop and I were talking about this at the last electronic con. It's like, you know, it's just really, really nice that like on a minimum of like two times per year, we all get together and just like you no know, even if we're not, you know, playing a show or something like that, we just get away from everything. We just have like the time of our lives, and it's like it's In honest, a new place. It's really healthy to just get exactly, away
0: from everything. exactly. It's like it makes you
1: humbles you, it, yeah. It makes does. you appreciate home. You know, it's funny not to go on like a super long tangent about this because
0: I love tangents. Let's go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love tangents too. As uh, I say, on probably hour three of this interview, the the craziest part about the last electronic con obviously was the shows like the show itself was amazing but the probably the second craziest thing was um getting people's like actual impressions of what they thought about me as a person when they first met me so i got like the impressions of like like um i think panic pop and uh ed you know we were hanging out at the airbnb that we had and you know we were you know like talking and like having drinks and stuff like that and you know they told me you know Fiber, honestly i thought you were like a total asshole when i first saw you comment on stuff on reddit mm. <laughs> and it's like we really oh, thought man. that you were gonna be like a mean person like just somebody who's like really uptight but you're actually like really really cool dude and you're the nicest would...
0: person that's probably why people recommend you as well because you're probably so nice to work with that's my yeah, guess i
1: mean and and i appreciate that you know like i i want it's not just that you know like i want people to come back and like work with me but it's just like it's just so much better when like you're genuinely interested in in the project as well but um but like that goes for music that goes for you know mixing and mastering and production for other people and whatnot um but yeah it was just interesting to hear that and i didn't understand why so i asked him you know why did you think that i was like you know like a mean uptight person and they were talking about how the way that I presented myself on Reddit when I used to talk to people, like on like the R slash future funk uh subreddit, was like, you know, in my mind at the time, I was thinking like, oh, I'm helping people out by giving people feedback. But to other people, it was more perceived as like, your snare sucks, you suck, everything about you sucks. Uh, And like, and I was like, essentially, like, without realizing it, I was going around like policing people on like, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't take this much of a sample and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm better than all of you, you know, perception Um, is real. Yeah. And like the perception of that, because to me, I thought that I was just like, sure, I I, I understood that I was being sort of a hard ass, but I didn't I didn't ever think of it in that way, you know. And it's not something that I really do anymore because first off, you know, I'm not into the whole policing people thing anymore. I don't care about anime and future funk. I actually, a lot of the times I really actually end up liking it. And, you know, it's just like, it's just not my place, you know? Um, It's like, I'd be wasting time if I was just like arguing with people on Reddit. Um, But it was interesting to see how other people saw that. Because at the time I thought I was doing I thought I was doing something good, you know. Um, and even if it was, m- maybe some people would say, "Yeah, that is still, I guess, good because you're trying to help out people." It's important to understand like the way that other people see it. And yeah, writing is like text.
0: Communicating over ASCII characters is so weird. You have to like, especially these days, everyone's throwing emojis everywhere and ex- like five exclamation marks. It's like you have to almost to. Make it not seem like you're a dick because everyone's just automatically goes to that for some reason.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like, even with, um, like at my school, you know, like I have this, like, um, there's just like one calculus professor. That's like a lot of people think that she's like the meanest person in the world, but like, but then I ended up actually meeting her and she ended up helping me out with a lot of stuff. And, you know, I would go back to like, you know, my colleagues and be like, she's not mean. She's just upfront, you know. She's just like she just doesn't take BS from other she people. Bullshit, you know? She ain't no bullshit, yeah. She doesn't take bullshit from other people. <laughs> like it's she just she just does her job and she does it well. And like if she is if she has to tell you whoa 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 what the hell are you doing with that like integral or something because you know she's a calculus professor, um, that she's gonna say it. She's not gonna like butter you up or anything because that's not her job to do so. And and like you know when I would tell people that, they'd be like, oh, but it's still me. It's like no, it's not. There's there's a clear distinction. So I think it's like, but I guess people's interpretation is still important, you know. Like it's just interesting to see how like one person like sees it as like, oh, this is just like it's brutal, but like this person cares, as opposed to this person is just an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's even harder over text.
1: Absolutely. If it's hard in real life, then it's really hard through text. But yeah, that's my TED Talk.
0: There you go. Edits with Fiber.
1: Yeah, I hope they never give me a TED Talk.
0: <laughs> future funk, yo. <laughs> We're going Stop there.
1: Future Funk and the ethics of sampling or something.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That'd be a great article.
1: Yeah, I've I've considered it a few times. Um the idea of like having
0: Well, drop me a line. Well yo, we'll get it in the mag.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know it's it's funny, I, I was I was like thinking, but I never really pitched it, you know, because like I just with everything's been so busy. I was thinking about like um I guess pitching like the whole idea of like the digital restoration of like split EP and like how difficult it was to like get everything together and like show like screenshots of just like how insanely broken like the project files were because it's like it's a story.
0: That's a book right there, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's also just very comedic at times. It's like asking somebody for just like an obscurely long, like snare file name yeah. and like figuring out like, damn it. Like this isn't even the right one. Like it sounds nothing like the original. It's just, yeah. It's interesting. You know, the sampling idea is cool too. There's this
0: program everybody should get. Um, you know, we don't have a, that many listeners, but hopefully we can help a few people here. There's a program on Windows. If you use Windows, it's called Everything. Check it out. It's gonna index your entire drive very quickly, and it's like got an instant search. It's way better than any other search. You can add network drives. You can add external hard drives. You can like it's it's the best thing ever. And it it like it'll show you all the duplicates. Oh, it kills Spotlight Search, but its Spotlight wow. Search is pretty good. It, it's it's that's way better than the Windows one. That's for sure.
1: Good to know. I don't I don't have a Windows computer, but I know people do.
0: <laughs> Tell them, man. It'll save. It'll change their lives. I swear. Yeah. Everything. It's so. It's. I use it constantly, like nonstop. Hell yeah. It's great. Good to know. It would have been good for that situation, for that predicament. Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the, the funny part is that they both use Macs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. Like I had, they had to spotlight search, like just just stupidly long, like um, just stupidly long, like file names. You know, it's funny. Um, not to jump into this too much, but like, uh, I think it's called like "So Much Love on My Mind." It's like the second track off of split EP. So the file name, like the sample file name, was just like zero 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 one one zero zero audio dash one one zero zero something like that. And we were never able to find it. So, like, the so like, no matter what file we tried to replace for it, it just wasn't the right file. So we had to end up like, we just had to end up like recreating the sampling from scratch. Yeah,
0: crazy. It, Holy it sounds, shit! It sounds
1: very similar to the original. It's like yeah, to, to the untrained ear, it'll just sound like a like a better mix and master version of the of the real deal.
0: Hmm. Sweet man, that's that's dedication, man. All right, what do we got here? How do you Yeah, let's talk about your production. Cool. Um, how do you push yourself to develop and learn new techniques?
1: Um, lock myself in a room for a while and, <laughs> and and just try random shit and see what happens. Yeah. Honestly, that's what it is. Like
0: YouTube videos or
1: Yeah, so like it's funny like I used to use a lot of YouTube videos when I was first starting off, but lot of the the new knowledge that i get from people come from friends that like have experience in that front. yeah
0: i guess there's not as many youtube tutorials for things as there like were during the golden era
1: yeah like a lot of a lot of um a lot of
0: like no advanced deep dives
1: yeah i like the the one of the crazy ideas that i have that you know would be cool if i tried it out but i never really have time for is like there is no tutorial channels, like there's no dedicated tutorial channels for French house. Like I know that like, if I did like, you know, like a video series recreating like very popular, like French house tracks, very popular future funk tracks. And like just going down, like really, like really niche topics, like how to process a DMX or 707 snare, because that's a sound that like a lot of people are going for. And there's like no information about how to do it online aside from just like a few like gear sluts, like forum posts, you know? And even then it's really like not good information. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I learned is from word of mouth. And it's pretty difficult to find any sort of like visual or video representation of how to do a lot of that stuff.
0: It just lives in the minds of a couple people. And
2: yeah, that's it.
1: exactly. And it's like And that that in itself, I think, plays into the mystique of like the like all like the guys like Ed Banger and like Daft Punk and,
0: you know, that sort of group because big time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They have like they have like especially
0: back in like 2000.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the SP 1200, like the SP 1200 sampler, like defined like what we know about like like classic French house music, you know? It's like it's the go-to sequencer for all the Roule, all the More guys. Uh, Alan Brax with his label Vulture, like that, like SP twelve hundred aliasing is all over it. But like you wouldn't really know that by just like looking up how to make French house in YouTube. You know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't really come to that conclusion just right off the bat. I just I just feel like there's no there's not many accessible ways of figuring out those production skills.
0: Um, Yeah, man, you should do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Hopefully like in the future, I think probably once I graduate school, I'll do that. Cause just college is like, you know, super busy, but it would definitely help with the mixing and mastering business. Like it would be like a really good way to, um, to get other people from outside of the future funk scene, like interested in like what I'm doing. Um,
0: yeah, and it might help grow the scene too.
1: Yeah, the next thing, by the way, because you because you asked this, um like, you know, how do you learn like new skills and whatnot? Yeah, but honestly, like the next thing that like I'm trying to do is just get better at guitar and just spend like three or four months just learning how to play piano. Like everything that I do is pretty much punched into a piano role like using my mouse and i just i just change velocities and like basically fake piano playing by like changing like just slightly changing like the lengths of certain like notes and whatnot by like a few milliseconds so it sounds
0: that sounds like a shitload of work
1: yeah like just manually like editing all editing all those velocities so it sounds natural is is a pain in the ass to do and it would be so much easier if like i actually just learned how to play the piano Plus, like, I have like really only really basic, you know, music theory knowledge. So, a lot of the stuff that I make, it just comes to me in my head, like, as a basic idea, and then I build on it. Um, so, if I have a melody or like a chord structure, or, like, I don't know, like a sample chop or something from like a sample that I was working on stuck in my head, I'll record it on like a voice note on my iPhone, and I'll go back and actually like punch in the notes, like, later on. Usually, just having a recording of that like reminds me of what the idea was and actually that's how i got the melody for skylight ballad and all the piano chords for it and stuff like i just hummed it like like a voice note on like my my phone and like you know just got to it but yeah like i just i just don't know how to play the piano man and i and like i sort of know how to play the guitar but like i could just be a lot better um I
0: wish I could help teach you, like, you could teach me programming, Ooh. but I kind of have to be there, it's, right? It's so, there. Absolutely. Yeah, I could teach you both, for sure. I can give you some tips.
1: Sure, sure. That'd be awesome. Little tricks. Also, you, like you come from, like, originally, correct me if I'm wrong, you come from, like, a different, like, musical background, Which and that would be, like, Definitely. Really cool to, like, be interesting to see, like, what, like, some techniques outside of this, like, funk guitar. Mm-hmm
2: there mm-hmm.
1: you know i'm mm-hmm. very
0: that let's keep talking
1: absolutely I'd,
0: I'd be very excited to see what comes next for fiber with real instrumentation
1: yeah a, there is a lot of real instrumentation like also like rendezvous is like aside from like two and a half tracks i would say like one track is like a fair mix between like original composition and some sampling yeah like all of those tracks are original like, aside from those, like, mm-hmm. two and a half, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Wicked.
1: So, so, yeah.
0: And so you're, you're saying real instrumentation, but not piano or guitar? So what else?
1: So, like, I, I do play, like, a lot of guitar, like, in uh, in my music.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and, like, in terms of, like, original compositions, I'm talking, like, like actual, like, composed, like, chords, bass lines, like, top melodies and whatnot. And like vocals that I've done myself, or vocals that, um, that like you know like my friend Matthew Clanton did. I had like a collab, um, mm-hmm. with uh, Spring Silver on First to Say, and uh, she did a lot of the, um, she did a lot of the guitar on that. So like, you know, I'm composing stuff, but it's just like I'm not like immediately composing it. Like I'm a classically trained pianist from you know like. A, like discoholic is, you know, like he's amazing at piano. Nice. Um, and at one point I want to get there, you know, like, I feel like it would just help my process out a lot more. A lot of the music that I make is just kind of, it's just kind of painstaking to like, you know, punch in all of those notes, you know, like I, I'm used to it, but, um, but I feel like it could be a lot better. Yeah. know, might uh, like a new world of music that like, I just don't know about yet mm-hmm. because I haven't gotten to it.
0: Exactly. There'll be so many more tools and to play with and inspiration and yeah. blah, 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 especially if you learn theory.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have like a pretty, like, I think like with the theory that I know, it's like pretty good. Like I could probably brush up on some of it. Nice. I do have like a thing against learning too much theory because I worry that like, you I might feel stop like liking experience- yeah, like experimentation is an important part. I think of like my musical process, so I don't want to be like necessarily exclusively bound to it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just that's just what I think about it. You know? Yeah. Like great as a reference tool, not great as like something that you exclusively follow. But that's again just my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, any more production techniques? Like how you learn stuff? Mm-hmm.
1: So. Sampling wise, I learned a lot of that by imitating my favorite artists. So Daft Punk, Justice, um, Some Relay, Some Cry to More stuff. Just learning how to sample. I just would re- I remade Aerodynamic one more time. Part of Better Faster Stronger. Um, I did the sampling for Crescent Dolls. I did a remake of High Life. I did a remake of the little sample bit in Too Long. Uh, I made a very comprehensive breakdown video of the sampling of face to face a few years ago that got like a significant amount of clout on YouTube. Uh, I think it's like 65,000 plays or something like that. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I learned, I just learned from imitating the greats, you know? They say that um, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And I I really stick by that, you know, like just copying (laughs) one-to-one, like what people that I'm inspired by did is just, it was just a really, really great tool for my own, like, you know, sampling skills.
0: Yeah. So. Cool. We were talking about this a little bit before, but I want to know what you feel about the, i kind of ask this a lot to uh, to a lot of people the growth of the genre over the years and the growing pains
1: yeah so i feel like future funk and vaporwave in general are in a really good position because they have like really they've really established like their fan bases even though like even though you you could say that future funk and vaporwave don't necessarily have the biggest fan bases out of like other genres you know there's always going to be top 40 music there's always going to be i don't know like 15,000 people at a taylor swift concert or billie eilish or something like that um but in terms of like a dedicated fan base i feel like that's always going to be there in terms of some of the growing pains that i've noticed at least with future funk is i guess we talked about like the whole market saturation there's a lot of like i feel like a lot of the same music that is like rehashed a lot of the time Um, and that just kind of falls within like the city pop realm. I think that the one thing that I consistently notice that you know I'm not even like talk. I don't even want to talk crap about like other you know artists or anything like that. Um, And this just comes from a purely critical standpoint. Is that I I find like that a lot of the bigger future funk artists like they have like a few good tracks um and like tracks like i don't know like Macross 8299 you know like fun tonight that's a classic if somebody hears that like at a club they're going to go wild you know and it's a great song um mm-hmm. but then there's like there's like other things like in his discography for example that just falls like kind of flat and it's like yeah. it's not necessarily that he's not making good music it's just that like the consistency between tracks is like I don't know to me it's always been kind of strange Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's the case with like a lot of like the bigger future funk musicians I would say like night tempo is getting a lot better at it but like his like earlier music like he would have like a few like really great like slappers like in terms of like tracks like really really like solid like you know j-funk edits or like maybe occasionally he would drop like a deep house track or something like that yeah But then there's other tracks that just like, like, it's like maybe like a J Funk edit and it's like really, really tinny and like really quiet as opposed to like the rest of the album. And I feel like because of this, like, you know, pump out as many edits as possible sort of mentality, it kind of like, it kind of breaks the consistency of a lot of like, of a lot of albums that could be a lot more cohesive. And I feel Mm -hmm. like if those issues were addressed, you know, I feel like a lot more people would would gravitate towards the genre you know when you have figureheads like that that are they're making music and they are making good music like it's not to say that they're bad musicians um but then like a lot of the stuff just i don't know just kind of sounds like good tracks okay tracks one track that's just kind of amateurish you know and then move, move on to like an okay track great track another amateurish track
0: great point like i've thought that myself and i've never heard anyone actually talk about it before
1: it's just it just feels so fragmented to me it it feels like it feels like an unfinished (laughs) puzzle sometimes it kind of feels like it's so weird it's it kind of almost feels like there was like a few tracks that were like really like polished like let's say night tempo is dropping an album or something like that it's almost like night tempo had like four or five really polished tracks two or three tracks that were almost finished but he kind of gave up on at the last second and then like maybe three or four other tracks that just sound like demos i
0: wonder if we just that like sometimes you just try and fill an album
1: yeah and i feel like that's like because because so many of the listeners value quantity over quality that happens like i feel like that happens a lot because at least, like with like some of the, the the listener feedback that I see on like the bigger like J funk releases, at least, you know, like you know, like the main future funk community is like great, awesome, amazing, sweet. Like no matter what track it is, and like I guess with just like the typical listeners, they're not like really going like too deep into like the nuances of of like this track sounds like way way more underproduced than this track, you know. It's a thing that I think is more apparent to artists.
0: Yeah. What would you say is the most iconic Future Funk release for you?
1: Um, I do want to say Super Sex 420 and Tendencies split EP. Just yeah. I love that album so much. It's just such a such a great album. Vantage is Metro City as well. It's funny. Me- Metro City, uh, I've, I've had that discussion with Vantage a few times. Metro City was like an album that was just like, when when he made it he was really just trying to make like like a different version of daft punk's like discovery like a like a sort of an album that falls follows that sort of same theme he was like really inspired by that but he i think van just told me that he kind of like kind of ended up doing kind of a shitty job of like capturing that feel and it just got like latched onto by the future funk community and just blew up as like this is a great future funk release and van is like what <laughs> i don't know what this is <laughs> so that's I, I think that's kind of like how he got more into the scene um but it's just still like a really great album like some of the tracks on him on like that album are like just originals you know and it's just i feel like it has like the same sort of appeal that that splitty p has for me it's like perfectly imperfect it's just it's just the right amount of polished and really like rough around the edges at the same time. Mm-hmm. But the but the but the writing of like the tracks like make up for it. Yeah, it's like because some of them are just really like infectious. Like, um, uh, God, mm-hmm. so right is like a great amazing song. Even though, like, I believe like the baseline in the beginning of the track is like a little flat like it doesn't really match like the sample itself because it was like i think the samples like pitched up a little like too high because it was like a vinyl rip or something okay and like Rokaku die heights oh my god my me and my fiance like just jam out to that song like every other week it's just yeah baseline is so good on it and like i think there's like a diana ross sample at the beginning like the beep beep toot toot yeah that part okay yeah
0: (laughs) sweet
1: it sounds it sounds stupid when i say it but like it just fits so well into the track rokaku it's by vantage check that out okay awesome beep beep toot (laughs) toot yeah not even kidding it's literally like the first and it it like repeats for like eight bars um can you pick
0: one more if you had to pick one
1: um hmm could you give me a quick second if you if you could cut this out so I can look through my vinyl collection? Oh yeah, yeah. Take your time. Yeah. So I don't I don't really remember, and I'm also a little like fucking dead right now because I didn't didn't sleep last night. You, you know what? Hit Vibes. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So.
0: Yeah, so you have a Hit Vibes copy, I imagine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have a yeah. Hit Vibes is my is probably out of my top three. I uh, I had a Hit Vibes record um i bought it when it first came out on car park for like 10 bucks um but i don't know what happened but like the side a of it like was a little messed up oh yeah so um on like the i hope you have something weird tonight because we're going to a party that part it's like really scratchy like almost somebody like scratched like into the groove itself but the rest of the album played fine yeah um so like I was in talk with I was in talks with like Ryan to like get like a new one and stuff, but like it didn't end up going through because he was just a little too busy. And when I heard that he was going to sell them at an electronic con, I was literally the first person to like line up. Like I started lining up at the beginning of George Clinton's set. Yeah, and That's like, early. there were already ten people there when I showed up. Mm-hmm. So, so like people were serious about it. And uh, yeah, um, Ryan personally hand-signed my copy. He signed everybody's copy. Dude was so nervous that night, but he's just like such a nice guy. Yeah. He loves what he does. It's just, I just wanted to give him a hug, man. Like, he was just so nervous. But it it ended up uh, like paying off in the long run. Mm -hmm. And he was was super excited to see me as well, which is just like mind-boggling. Because like, who am I? Who am I? Like, compared to him. Yeah. So yeah. So if if I had to pick three albums, I would pick it in, I guess, in this order. Hit Vibes, so St. Pepsi's Hit Vibes, Super Sex 420, and Tendencies, split EP, stuttered a little there, and Vantage's Metro City. Yeah.
0: Great choices. Check them out if you haven't heard them.
1: They're all amazing albums. And if you haven't listened to Hit Vibes, then what are you even doing here? leave the podcast. That's true. Everybody's
0: heard that one, hopefully. (laughs) So who are your favorite people in Vaporwave? Or in Future Funk, I guess. Favorite. Or both. Yeah, the coolest people in the community doing the coolest stuff. Who do you recommend people check out?
1: You know what? In terms of like personality, just like as a guy, like, man, Pat Shennington is like one of the coolest people I think I've ever met like in this community. He is just... Him and I just share like a really, really similar experience. We, we both just take on a little too much work than, than we can handle, but we're just like kind of addicted to like, you know, moving forward. And he like, he like has like, like an, like a really infectious personality. I understand like why people want to work with him because he puts himself out there and he's like, like shamelessly putting himself out there, you know? And and he's, and this, the thing is, is that he's like, he's, he's going through like essentially like a learning process to learn how to produce. Cause he's like a pretty new producer, but he doesn't care. He, he, he acts like, he acts like, like what he deserves, you know, which is like, just to make cool music with cool people. If it's a big guy, then whatever. If it's a small guy, awesome. He just doesn't care, you know? And he just wants to like, the main goal is to just do everything that he can to, to like, to better himself, to better his channel, to better his music experience, uh, like his production experience, and like just have like a blast while doing it. Plus, he's like, he's like a real, he's like in real estate and stuff. Like, I don't even know. Like, that guy is doing crazy things. He literally learned how to DJ for Electronic Con. Like, he just has like motivation that like, you know, like, it, like really similar motivation that I see in myself, you know, so that's why we work so well together, uh, man, you know, shout out to Amherst, Jesse, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite people just because he's so funny on Twitter, he just, just does the stupidest things, and it is always so funny, and I just, I love him, he's a great guy, and I haven't seen him in a while either. It's been since like 2015 I last saw him in person. So shout out to him. Um, and I guess like, you know what? The coolest people that I have the pleasure of working with is all of the Montem artists and the management team. They're, uh, Montem ended up just being this idea in my head that, I'm, that I had in 2016. And if you would have told me now that it would have evolved into what it evolved in... That I would have people going out of their way, going out of their way in their busy lives to help me, you know, with this. Honestly, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed you, you know. And so many people put so much faith in that project. And like, sure, it's not the biggest record label in the world. It's pretty small relative to other ones. But it's like, but the dedication is there. And I feel like, I feel like we can only do great things with it because of the fact that there's so many people that believe in it. You know, that's what keeps me going. Like in having, you know, discoholic who is practically in my in my personal opinion, he's my role model when it comes to productivity because he just has it on lock so well. He spreads himself so thin and I still don't know how he manages it. Like helps with Montem, he has discoholic that he manages, produces, he's a full time college student, uh, taking like five or six classes at the moment he runs the essential social media he uh he does all of like the video editing for not only Montem but essential as well so all the videos that have been coming out are discoholic you know and he has a, he has a job on top of it and like you're just like yeah i'm cool i'm doing great my life is awesome i have like great grades it's like how are you even doing this dude it's like <laughs> you're insane You're actually crazy. So like, you know, shouts out to Montem, the artists, the community, the people who honestly just help me every single day to be the best that I possibly can and the best that we we
0: can be. So nice, man. Sweet. Okay. One last question for you.
3: Hell yeah.
0: Are there any upcoming things apart from that tendencies record uh, that people can look forward to with Fiber?
1: Yes. So uh, many more albums and singles coming out on Montem, um, especially in 2020. Expect Montem merchandise to be a thing. Um, hopefully for Fiber, um, the goal is to probably put out like a full length album um, by next year. Um, Fiber 2014 and 2016 will be getting a repress on Neon City. We're just in the beginning talks of that right now. Cool, uh, and it's won't be it won't be pressed on a picture disc it will be actually pressed on like legitimate like vinyl records so the people that you know think that picture disc is no way to go because sound quality you know like now they have like a reason to go out and like just get the regular record yeah um what else what else um i'm considering a fiber 2016 to 2018 record uh or like what is the 2014 to 2016 yeah So I want to do like a Fiverr 2016 to 2018 record where it's like, again, like a continuous compilation of like my previous music, uh, but it's like the newer stuff. Um, And 2014, 2016 was like really, really big. So it only makes sense to like continue that. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of like old music that I've been sitting on that never really saw the light of day. And they're just like pretty much, fully finished tracks. Uh so I might drop a few of those on there. Um what else? What else? I don't know. There's like so many things I guess going on. Uh definitely shows, you know, like I'm in talks with um Terminal HL dance party, hopefully. Uh they've expressed interest in wanting to do like a few like a show or something like that. But you know, I still have yet to contact like the coordinator for it. Patch Anything show with Power PCME. January 4th, 2020, essential coming up in April. And that's about it.
0: Well, that's a lot. <laughs> I thought the one thing was going to be the, the main thing. I was like nervous about asking you that
1: last question. <laughs> yeah. It would have been, it would have been, uh, would have been sucky if I would have just said nothing. Yeah. Like in terms of well, like, that,
0: that is a, sh- it's a lot. You explained the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, also vine like an exclusive vinyl at the um, at the Pat Jenkins show in, on January fourth. But like a lot of it, the thing is, is that a lot of it doesn't actually require um, production. A lot of it is just coordination of pre-existing tracks and like preparing for for sets and whatnot. Um, so like the main thing is just putting out like material that I already had or stuff that I already had, but just never really released. And, uh, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a while until like I can start like producing stuff. Um, But I'm feeling pretty confident about it. Hopefully maybe this winter break, uh, I'll be able to one last thing, uh, which is actually kind of a big deal. And I actually didn't mention this to you prior is that uh, over the winter break? If we have time, Evie.exi and I are gonna work on a split album. Oh, we've been, we've been working off and on on a few concepts for it. And we've been collecting a lot of like really solid samples for it as well. Um, so we decided to knock it out like during the winter break. Whether or not that's actually gonna happen, uh, I don't know. But if it does happen, you know a vinyl release is going to be involved in that. So yeah,
0: that would be tight, man. You got you got you guys are like the, my two favorite producers in the genre. That's crazy.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for yeah, talking man. With me like you know.
0: Hey, anytime.
1: And uh, if anybody is listening still, I don't know how you are because we've been talking probably your ear out by now, but. <laughs>
0: I am yeah, you were I right, am. I am getting tired,
1: yeah, all right, go on
0: you you were about to say something, no,
1: no, no, I was just saying like sweet,
0: oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was a pleasure having you here, man. um, if you wanna pitch your Twitter and Instagram or anything like that, go ahead and
1: yeah, uh, so my Twitter is uh twitter.com slash fiber Alex that's F-I-B-R-E, A-L-E-X, all lowercase one word and my Instagram is uh, fiber Alex uh, low lower underscore uh, pretty much the same thing Uh, and don't follow me on Facebook because I never use it
0: okay and fuck and Instagram had the underscore at the end
1: yes underscore at the end
0: okay sweet well awesome man Thank you so much for coming. I'm sure you have a lot of things to get back to and studying and all that. so
1: oh yeah it's like 30. I'm gonna go to bed
0: isn't it isn't it exam period coming up?
1: Yeah, relatively soon uh, yeah a lot of my a lot of my exams uh, have already passed, but I have like uh, some pretty big uh, school projects and exams coming up like in two weeks yeah so. It's the final stretch, basically, at the moment.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, have fun with it, and uh, yeah, we'll you know we'll keep talking. I'll send you some guitar shit.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, and I hope you.
0: And some Python questions, exactly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. All right, catch you later. Take care, man.
0: Cheers. And we're back. That was my interview with Fiber. It was a ton of fun. I'm a little less tired now, as you can see. I thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show. It was an absolute treat. I can't wait to see you at Essential in April. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can check us out at privatesweetmag.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already subscribed. Um, leave us a voicemail at 412-44 vapor Keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram and Twitter. We have volume 10 coming out soon. Uh, should be just before Christmas, and we have a whole host of crazy stuff going on with this issue. So definitely keep your eyes peeled. And check us out on Patreon, because I can't spoil it, but we've got some very special goodies coming out for our patrons this December. Okay, everybody, we're going to leave you with some songs by Fiber. Check them out. He's awesome, and uh, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that Tendencies Super Sex 420 Split EP Vinyl Remaster because it's gonna go fast. Okay, everybody, take care.